0: Asking us to rate your show? That's it. I quit.
1: He was slinging pawns at a bnB and b When he had an epiphany I make a part in about time too About not playing d and It was free through all
0: And I heard him say He bought my borderlands But just sit back and let Spencer do his
1: trick Cause you're incapable of
2: Hello, and welcome to Keep Off the Borderlands. My name's Spencer, a.k.a. Free Thrall, and opening the show there was Jason. Jason Connolly of Nerds RPG Variety Cast. I do hope you have a change of heart and continue listening, Jason, because I'm going to be responding to some of your calls. So, episode 200, I made it. Yeah, I know, it's taken some time. I have struggled to kind of find the time and also be in the right mood to be able to record stuff. Um, I think it's just, you know, having a, a toddler in the house again. When you get a moment to yourself, I just want to, I just want to stare blankly at, at the wall. <laughs> but uh, yes, I have managed to find the time to put together a 200th episode for you.
0: that mean old DM Joe Richter would have made Pippin Lester roll when they disembarked from the boat to the bank as they left Bastion because he would like them to have a chance to slip and fall and drown, thus ending the adventure. That's the way DM Joe rolls.
2: So, uh, yeah, Jason sounding a little disgruntled there. What can I say? I'm sure Joe Richter of Hindsightless is not that mean a GM, surely. And I must say, I didn't really talk about when I was rolling and when I wasn't rolling in that little uh, recap of the solo session I did in the last episode as It sounds like I didn't roll anything at all, but I just didn't refer to when I was rolling and when I wasn't rolling. A little more about that coming up.
0: I did appreciate your solo talk and talking through your method and and thoughts around solo gaming. Yeah, I I definitely think having the world (laughs) built before you make the character makes sense. Uh, At least have your system and setting picked out, right? Um, but no, I think you brought some interesting points and I'll probably pick that book up from Modiphius. Um, Yeah, it it sounds interesting. Might be some neat stuff in there. So thank you for that talk. I I do appreciate it.
2: And thank you, Jason, for that message. Um, Yeah, it's funny. I think, yes, it makes sense to create the world before you start dropping characters into it. But um, I think that's all part of me having to develop the gm's mindset you know thinking as a player my first impulse is to create characters and um i, I, I fear i carried that across into solo play and as uh, deborah or geek gamers points out that can leave you feeling at a bit of a dead end but um yeah thanks very much for your calls jason cheers i hope you continue listening
1: Hey Spencer, this is Carl here I am calling from the app It seems to be visible and working I don't understand why it's not visible for you But hey, I get to call in And it works because I'm driving in my car I really enjoyed your solo uh, play narrative I think that's a great idea To I guess you run the solo and then write it up um, it's kind of like a recap, but more of a narrative, and I really enjoyed it. The sound effects, the encounter, um, would have been interesting if there had been a combat, but maybe that's not what got rolled up, but uh, that kind of is pretty cool. I also enjoyed uh, Northman, or Northman, I don't know how you pronounce it, I guess you pronounce it, Northman. I really enjoyed it as well, I liked the mystical nature, and I had a fun time watching it and I'm glad you enjoyed it also.
2: Thank you Carl Carl Rodriguez there the GM extraordinaire from the GMologist Presents podcast and as for the Anchor app yeah I've still got the app but at some point early on in the year and may even been towards the end of last year the app updated the search tab was replaced with an analytics tab which is something I'm not too interested in to be honest um so now the app is no good for finding other people's podcasts for liking other people's podcasts or calling into other people's podcasts it just doesn't have that functionality anymore however i keep the app installed because that's how we get the messages even when people post up links to their anchor podcasts if i click on that link it will open the app, which just takes me to my own podcast. So that's even more infuriating, to be honest. But let's not get all bitter and twisted now. Um, yeah, that, was, that solo session, I really enjoyed that. Um, there's a variety of reasons for why I presented it like that. Um, as you say, I was rolling up stuff. I didn't allude to that when I was actually doing the reading of the session recap. And, uh, you know, I really enjoy putting that stuff together, playing around with sound effects, things like that. I did did want that session to have gone on a little bit longer, but as I said in the previous episode, I was interrupted with uh, my wife and kids coming home. So I had to bring that to an early close, And as you say, that that encounter that I rolled up from Into the Weird and Wild, um, that that particular encounter had, I think it was like a 50% chance that the creature would be preoccupied and ignore you, which is essentially what I I rolled up. And I, I elaborated on that just to make it a little bit more interesting. But, yeah, hopefully next time I'll get round to some combat. Thanks very much for your call, Carl. Cheers.
3: Hi, this is Anthony calling from Stop and Go Traffic in Korea. I've just finished listening to your recent episode where you talked about solo play and guides for solo play, and I found it quite interesting. And My first reaction was... I don't do any solo play, and then I laughed at myself because I do a lot of solo play, just not the way that you talked about in this episode, like, for self-entertainment, like, to, to play the game by myself. I find I use solo play all the time to fill out the world around the characters in the games that I'm playing. Like, for example, in our Alien campaign... I'm very interested in the you know the space combat and space interactions rules, but the players really aren't. They like to hear about you know what's happening to their ship and to the, the ships around them as their marines operate against the nefarious plon, pl- plans and plots of Whale and but they don't. Particularly want to play those kinds of officers in those kinds of situations, but I really do. And so we get to satisfy their desire to hear about it and my urge to play through it by me running those space combats and and things outside the bounds of the session and then being able to bring those outcomes into the session to, you know, just describe as they happen if needed or to. Alter with dice rolls in the moment uh, if the actions of the player characters, you know, intersect with or or interrupt what I've played through. So you know, by that light, in part, it's solo play for self entertainment, but it's it's also solo play for some other purpose. And I think I I'm willing to. Uh, to block off the time or allow for the time to to do that because I'm going to use it in you know in one of our ongoing campaigns and it's going to have the purpose of helping me you know really speed up play but also keep things I'm going to use the word real but you know keep things tied to the dice keep things tied to that specific system and not just my you know my whim or or my game master fiat you know I I've played through it. These are the outcomes that have actually happened. And there's something, uh, I don't know, more satisfying about that. So, you know, I'm, I'm glad that I take the time to do these moments of solo play. Anyway, thanks again for sharing. I particularly enjoyed um, your performance and presentation of the unexpected writing exercise that came out of your preparations. Um, you have a tremendous facility for adopting uh, a different sense of, of character uh, with your, your different voices and your approaches to communication. And I, I quite like the, the character, the personality of, of the protagonist uh, as he tries to dream up uh, great lines to write about what he's seeing. Uh, but without pad and pencil, I like that moment quite a bit. Anyway, have a great day. Take care.
2: Thank you, Anthony. Um some really nice calls there from Anthony Boyd Runslinger of the Casting Shadows podcast. And uh, yeah, yeah, really interesting hearing that uh, realisation that you do in fact play solo, but you're you're doing it for the purpose of fleshing out the world for the other players. And and I guess in a lot of ways GM prep does involve doing that sort of thing, but it may not be perceived as such. And uh, it's interesting that you, you talk about the, you know, the purpose of solo role playing. I know that say someone like Jay Webster, who will be hearing from shortly, just loves the act of solo play as many people do. Um, I, I enjoy it, but I would say that there is a purpose there in the sense that I am trying to familiarize myself with the system. I am kind of uh, taking tentative steps towards putting myself in the GM chair. Many would say I've already done that thanks to the help of Colin and doing a little storytelling stuff with my daughter. So, yeah, there's that. Uh, Thanks again for those messages and your really kind words. Thank you very much, Anthony. Cheers.
4: Hello, there, Spencer. It's Che, just calling for Roleplay Rescue. Wanted to say a big thank you for the tip on the Solo Game Master's Guide, which, as I carry it up the stairs to the hobby room, I have in my hands now. And it's been a really good book. I've read the uh, PDF as well, and I really found it useful. Lots of really good ideas in there, and I wanted to thank just a personal thank you really for that and a recommendation um one of the things that struck me actually was the um, advice about playing the emotion um of of something and I thought that was a really really insightful thought I can't remember more of it um, than that off the top of my head but it was really really good and I also liked as you mentioned the 10 mindsets of a successful solo GM. I have to say, I thought it was actually a really good GM's guide generally. I think many of these principles would apply to a regular game and people should consider checking it out. It's a, it's a good read. Anyway, thanks very much for that. I'm recording this on my phone and I'm out of time. Game on.
2: Hey, Che. Always good to hear from Che Webster there of Roleplay Rescue. A great recommendation there following my recommendation for the uh, Solo Game Master's Guide from Geek Gamers. I've got to say I was a little dismayed when I heard your message because I hadn't yet received my copy. But what better way to, to address that issue than to respond with a little unboxing. Yes, a nice, nicely presented volume. Uh, how many pages are we talking? Not sure if I said this before. Sixty pages here. A five size book. I say A five. I think it's slightly larger than A five. It's the same size as the index card RPG book. I think it's about half an inch um, higher, taller. You know what I'm trying to say. (laughs) Um, Yes, very nice. Very nice little book. As Chase says, um, as I think I uh, originally said, I think this book would be useful to any GM, really. Um, Lots of nice tips in here. And that that is an important point, a significant tip that Che raises there, the playing emotions, not rules, because what that brought to mind for me was when you watch action films these days, I mean, with all the CGI, you can pretty much put whatever you want up on screen. But if there's no emotional investment in what's occurring, if you don't, know or care about the stakes involved. No matter how exciting an action sequence is trying to be, if you're not invested in it, essentially you're just watching shapes and colors and noises, which I think speaks to the, the importance of emotional investment. And that's true for solo gaming. I think when it's just you and the rules, it's all too easy to forget that and then you're left wondering, you know, why am I doing this? It becomes just a, a mechanical process. Yeah, so that, that is a great point. Also, she does warn against the desire to amass as many random tables as possible, a tendency that I'm afraid I do suffer from, shall we say, um, Uh, There's a nice selection of random tables throughout the book, which are, are compiled in the appendix, along with lots of suggestions for great rule sets that have their own random tables. I mean, there's just general random tables here. There's tables for character attitude, tables of connection and disconnection, quick tables for starting with no rule set. What other tables we've got here Descriptive words to pair With concrete elements Which are essentially like the, uh, the Spark tables that Chris McDowell is so fond of In Electric Bastion Land And uh, well There you go This is from Modifius Games and it is available from them in PDF, and I believe the PDF is also available for drive through now, so uh, it's a lot easier to get hold of. Solo GMs rejoice. At last, a comprehensive table-side companion just for you. Create immersive solo RPG experiences with this dedicated guide from the acclaimed host of the Geek Gamers YouTube channel. This long-awaited solo GM guide is a crash course in solo storytelling, a toolkit to help your solo sessions shine as brightly as hers do. Inside this book, you'll discover system-neutral tricks for wondering what happens next, how to avoid the dreaded yes-no dead end and making oracles work for you, the biggest mistakes most GMs make and what to do instead, the 10 mindsets of a successful solo GM, 70 pages of essential random tables and lists, step-by-step examples of soloing many popular rule sets, including Acton Cthulhu, Index Card RPG, and the world's most popular tabletop role-playing game, along with the principles that make these sessions work. There we go. And thank you very much for your message. Again, Che, Roleplay Rescue is on a seasonal break at the moment, but I'm very much looking forward to it returning. I think um, for its 11th season, is it? Yes, it's 11th season. So, uh, yeah, very much looking forward to that returning, a show you most certainly should be listening to. A couple of things in the post. We've got here um, a little padded envelope. Um, what's this? An a- A6 size? I'm not sure what's in here. It might not be gun related at all. Very small. What is it? Oh, it's a letter opener. <laughs> yeah, I remember ordering that little Westcott letter opener there. Finally got around to replacing that one I broke trying to open a box with. Why be making that mistake again. Right, onto the little card envelope. Um, no real distinguishing features. There we go. Whoops. Kriegs Messer. Now, This is something I got from Rooks Press Games, who had a sale on where a lot of their stuff was 50% off. I've got this on PDF already, but I thought it might be nice to have a little physical version. It's essentially printed on standard paper. So I could have printed it out myself, but I couldn't put it together quite as nicely as this, I don't think. Um... So, uh, Kriegs Messer is from Zine Quest 2021. It is a troika supplement, but I believe it does contain its own rules as well, if you want to use those instead. I think it's like a dice-pull system. But this is very much in the style of Warhammer. And I think you are playing... Agents of Chaos. Let's have a quick read of the first page. The carriage coach is on fire and there's no driver at the reins. It is the long 16th century, somewhere in Europe or a place much like it. Plague stalks the land. People are rioting against widespread corruption, while a monetary crisis is making the rich richer and the poor poorer. Sound familiar? Perhaps it doesn't matter which century it is. Time is a flat circle. Or perhaps it's not. The old systems are crumpling. The old world is being reborn, it's having a renaissance, if you will. Religion is being reformed, a new emerging class of burghers and mercenaries is displacing the old feudal order. Poets don't write romance about the knights anymore, but satires. This burgeoning new society, exuberant and ostentatious, Obsessed with novelty and the self is the early cocoon stage of our modern age. I think that sums it up quite nicely. As you get with Troika, there's a whole uh, D66, 36 characters. So we've got, yeah, it does contain the rules in here. We've got optional combat rules. Right, skill test luck, yeah. Optional combat rules, cost of living, corruption, career, and advancement. Let's have a look at corruption here because I think this is a significant part of the game. Kriegsmesser partially subverts or deconstructs the traditional conceit of Warhammer where the characters are threatened by forces of chaos. In this game, it is the player characters who are the agents of chaos. They are likely to become the rats under the streets and the wild beastmen in the woods bringing civilization down. It's the empire and its nobles and the priests that are the corrupt ones. If you wish to play a more traditional way, with the corrupting influence of an objectively existing supernatural chaos use these rules as the corruption rules. So you can either play traditionally where the yes, with a supernatural corrupting influence, as it is in Warhammer, or you can view the ruling classes as being corrupt and you are activists, agitators fighting the establishment. And that's interesting, and that is kind of what drew me to this particular setting. Materials of the original Warhammer games were very much a product of their time. Punk, irreverent, satirising the genre, and poking fun at life under the Thatcherite regime. Early Warhammer committed that most irredeemable crime of games. It was political a lot of that has gone under the radar forgotten or washed out over the years we live in a time where satire sometimes seems impossible yet the shadow of the iron duchess and king ronald still loom large the initial spark of the inspiration for Kriegsmesser was the idea to combine the old Warhammer setting with the lightweight mechanics of Troika, an undercover hack of fighting fantasy, itself another British game from the 80s. But me being me, I obviously had to tweak and twist both to the point where they are barely there. Warhammer was a pastiche of fantasy tropes and 15th century Europe, I decided to dig deeper into the latter while also leaving things vague. I scrubbed away most of the high fantasy dressing. I figured most people are familiar with the tropes. There's also a ton of good setting and adventure books out there that you can use to fill out the blanks. But as someone else once said, all books are campaign setting books. Due to its interpretations, Kriegsmesser remains centred on Europe because that's what I was most familiar with. But living out here on the borderlands of Europe where we're less civilised and more savage, I have some small idea of what it's like to live in places that just get marked with here there be orcs on most fantasy maps. I didn't say who it was by, did I? Written, designed and laid out by Gregor Vuga. And the art is um, taken original 16th century woodcuts. There we go. So I've got a little envelope here, a little envelope. It's a fat envelope, and um, I was going to say I'm not sure what it is, but I do know what it is because I've just flipped it over, and it's from Monkey Blood Design and Publishing. OSR, old-school RPG, the Midlands, excited? Question mark. Why not tell your friends on social media about your new stuff? Maybe do an unboxing video, write a review, or post some cool photos. Or make the bizarre decision to do an audio unboxing, which is, you know, arguably a little odd. But I enjoy doing them, and they don't appear to annoy anyone. So here we go. This is one of the last Kickstarters that I backed. And already it's been delivered. And you can always rely on the Glen Seal for a quick turnaround. There's a whole host of Kickstarters I've been waiting on for quite some time now. And I'm a bit worried they're all going to turn up at once. And I'm going to end up getting the And this is a zine. little thank you note. Thank you. Monkey blood design and publishing and rabid halfling press would like to say a humongous thank you for supporting our projects and products. If it wasn't for the fabulous customers and or backers like yourself, we wouldn't continue to do this. You are awesome. Well, thank you very much. And this is Askhaph, the last great city. The Finistere trilogy. I was not aware it was part of a trilogy. Uh, is the first part. So uh, let's see if I'm going to be looking forward to the next couple of installments. Thick, glossy paper stock. In fact, it's yeah, it's more like thin card rather than thick paper. So a um, nice thick card cover. It's a very thick glossy paper inside uh, all in black and white with uh, glorious splashes of red throughout by the looks of it nice silver raised lettering Um, let's have a quick look at the back the largest city at the end of times a place for everyone for good or bad a terrifying and marvellous place where science and magic are one and the same a place where you can find, buy, pray to, and or consume anything or anyone. Please enjoy your stay. It contains strong language and graphic descriptions. There's a little kind of uh, hex flowery looking map. When I say hex flower, I mean, uh, I'm just talking about seven hexes rather than uh, goblins, henchmen's innovative in, innovative random generator warning this product contains strong language and graphic descriptions reader discretion is advised I, I will spare you the details um but i'll just have a quick flip through this book um, how many pages we got here 30 pages including the cover so it is most definitely a zine albeit a very glossy one. So contents, how to use this supplement, the city of Azkalef, the three major districts, Azkalef creation tables, district generation tables, adventure generator. So essentially it's it's a whole bunch of tables for creating a somewhat gonzo, a little bit grim urban science fantasy environment and uh, no prizes for guessing that i hope to use this in conjunction with into the odd how to use this supplement greetings dear reader this book is a toolkit for the gm to easily run a gonzo metropolitan city for science fantasy games It is system agnostic to easily fit in with your rule set of choice. This is a low prep kit that a GM can use to pull ideas from during a game session. With the help of short, punchy tables intended to be improvisational prompts, they invite immediate and unique adventure. The city is also a fully playable setting on its own. With the help of the district tables, struggling GMs can easily create strange city blocks full of adventure seeds. There are aspects of this book that are intentionally incomplete. This is so you make Ascaleth wholly your own and give the outcome of every playthrough a chance to grow organically. Of course, you can always use this book to spruce up your own campaign setting by rolling on the tables within and or plucking out the bits you like most. The idea to write a book of prompts came from the fact that your humble zine writers are both parents with full-time occupations. We struggle with the having the time and energy to prep for games that necessitate reading huge blocks of text There are so many great intricately designed games and setting books, but they often require more time and effort that we are able to give them at this stage in our lives. So we created a play-driven book where the GM, with a minimal amount of preparation, can play in a setting that rewards exploration and imaginative co-creation at the table. We hope you like it. Cheers, Tobias and Felix. Rabid Halfling Press. P.S. Workers of the World Unite. Nice. Some lovely black and white art in here. And oodles and oodles of tables. And, um, yeah, sounds like the perfect result for some low prep gaming, which um, certainly ticks a box for me. So, last week, (laughs) last week, listen to me, there's wishful thinking for you. Let's start again. In the last episode, which will probably be about a month ago by the time this comes out, I I put out a request for questions. And uh, to be honest, I didn't get a huge response. In fact, I got one question from Colin Green of spike pit fame and that is an awesome question that i'm going to enjoy responding to but um i let a few days go by nothing else came through so i decided to hop on twitter and just put out another link to the show with a reminder that i put this request out for questions and Someone kindly responded there. And uh, that person was Tristan Narbra. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. Who I believe plays in uh, Menyon, a.k.a. Rob's OSE game. Uh, Menyon being the host of the excellent podcast Confessions of a Wee Timorous Bushy. Now, Tristan asked... If I could provide some examples for movies that I would enjoy adapting into scenarios for rules like RPGs, and he suggests Small Borg, Into the Odd and Mothership. So so I, you know, I had a bit of a think about this and uh, yeah, here's what I came up with. Let's first start by talking about into the odd because there's, you know, there's a lot I could say about this. Much of what I'm about to suggest, I've probably already said at other points, touchstones for me for Into the Odd, and I'm going to be talking about Electric Bastion Land here as well, because I know the the implication is that these settings are about 100 years apart, but for me, they coexist kind of on top of one another. Into the Odd is this kind of... Dickensian, industrial, smog-filled world, which is essentially the boiler room, the, the engine that powers Electric Bastion Land, the wondrous world above, and the folks that live there probably pay little attention or choose not to wonder what makes their, their more modern living possible. And, yeah, so I've I've spoken in the past about Brazil, Terry Gilliam's film, being a touchstone. And along with that, I would add the French films um, Delicatessen and City of Lost Children. And I'm thinking about those for the aesthetic of the world more than anything else as far as writing it a scenario or or, or adventure, I I would probably look towards something like dark city where you've got aliens manipulating people for ends that the people aren't aware of. And I would like to sort of incorporate that into the setting because, you know, there's a lot of talk of aliens being present in Electric Bastionland, and I'd I'd sort of see it as well. I've spoken about the stratification before, so the the folks of into the odd would be more working class, although they would have the kind of a sense of their own hierarchy. There, maybe not being so aware of what's going on above the people of Bastionland being more kind of like the middle classes. And the upper classes, the more aristocratic elements having much more of an alien influence or origin than the the middle classes might be aware of. And that leads to the middle classes having behaviors and values that are largely irrational. but, But again, they don't really question them kind of. In general, they accept the way life is set up. And um, as long as they can get through their day, well, then it's all good. That kind of thing. So uh, those films, again, were Terry Gilliam's Brazil from 1985, Delicatessen from 91, and City of Lost Children from 95, both directed by... Uh, Jean-Pierre Jeunet and Marc Caro and also Dark City from 90 from 98 directed by Alex Proyas if you're going to seek out Dark City I recommend looking for the director's cat because well actually I don't recommend looking for the director's cat because I don't know even if he had a cat What I do recommend is seeking out the director's cut, which I feel was a little more effective than the theatrical release. The theatrical release has a voiceover at the beginning that I feel gives away a little too much of the story and uh, robs some of the reveals and twists of their impact. So, um, yeah, the, the director's cut... Keeps his cards a little closer to its chest, and I feel is a bit more effective. So, as for Merkburg, or Merkborg, or Merkballs, or however you're meant to say it, I've spoken about that in the past and how I've kind of struggled with the aesthetic. Not that I'm have any issues with grim and Gritty and and also it kind of has its tongue in its cheek as well to a certain extent. Uh, but I'm not I'm not a metal guy. I don't listen to stuff like black metal or grind core or whatever you whatever whatever these things are called. Um, cookie monster music, I think I heard Joe Richter of uh, hindsightless call it. Um, yeah, I just don't um, don't really listen to that sort of stuff. So I kind of I've seen that as a bit of a stumbling block, but somebody, and I forget who apologies who said this, but somebody suggested Tom Waits might be a good way in. you know that kind of uh, earth dies screaming vibe, you know, maybe I should take some advice from a inebriated post-apocalyptic lizard like Tom Waits. Maybe that that might help me pull something together. As far as the movies are concerned, I did recently see the film Black Death released in 2010, directed by Christopher Smith, um, who directed the uh, very entertaining Severance and uh, brilliant mind-bending Triangle, which is a a movie I particularly love. But yeah, um, Black Death... It's certainly got the necessary grit and grimness required, although there's definitely an absence of tongue in cheek. It's played deadly serious. Fourteenth century England a group of Christian zealots, basically a group of group of individuals travelling England torturing. Witches and pagans, and uh, they hear about this village that has apparently been untouched by the plague, and you know they think there's foul play, and witchcraft afoot, and uh, yeah, they they set out to go and uh, cleanse this village. I certainly think there's something that you could do with that, but as I say. Maybe not an exact match tonally, but uh, yeah, that's my suggestion for that one. And you also mentioned mothership. As as soon as I read that, my first thought was a particular episode of the Mandalorian that sprang to mind where he joins up with this kind of band of hired rogues to go to a prison ship and break somebody out. And, um, I thought that was a particularly interesting kind of self-contained scenario that would, that would certainly lend itself to mothership. Um, yeah, we've got this uh, the film Oxygen from 2021 directed by Alexandra Ajar. It's essentially it's it's the Ryan Reynolds film Buried but as a sci-fi. I think you could do something interesting with this. I think you'd have to go way beyond the actual scope of the film but using this would be an interesting beginning scenario and there's another movie i would probably combine with this but i don't want to say what that is because i don't want to give away any spoilers for the film oxygen but um hopefully if you see that film you'll possibly guess the the other sci-fi film from 2010 that i'm referring to but i'm not going to say any more than that so some stuff to chew on there thanks very much for that question again tristram next up it's colin spike green all right spencer mate great job on the writing in the last episode very evocative stuff i look forward to hearing some more but i appreciate those things take a lot of effort now talking of effort and 199 episodes congratulations mate heading into 200 and that is related to my question that i've got to ask you and that is why do you keep coming back for more what is it about podcasting that draws you back in time and time again that's it pretty straightforward but can you answer it Spence? hey can you answer it mate take care i'll catch you later so there we have it, Colin spike Green, the one audio message I received uh, <laughs> answering my call for questions. And, uh, yeah, so, yeah, why, why do I bother, Colin? Is that what, you, is that what you're asking me? <laughs> I know you didn't put it like that. Um, I, I guess, I, I, well, I am going to answer that, and uh, I'm probably going to answer it at length, because I've been listening to podcasts for years. And uh, mainly, well, I started out kind of listening to comedy stuff and um, Radio 4 programs, things like In Our Time, and history podcasts, stuff about um, folklore. And then as, as I um, started looking into my counselling training, I started listening to quite a lot of uh, psychotherapy podcasts and that kind of stuff. And and it's just a format I've always enjoyed because, um, well, working as a projectionist, there's a lot of sitting around waiting for things to happen. It's one of those um, jobs where you've, you've got to be on the ball and you've got to be prepared for all kinds of things cropping up. That doesn't necessarily mean that... Things are going to happen. There'll be a couple of days in the week where you're rushed off your feet. But uh, by and large, as I say, there's a lot of waiting for things to happen, certainly when the doors are open. So, yes, that gave me a lot of time to either read, listen to podcasts, audio books. And um, yeah. so that's one of the reasons why I've been a big fan of podcasts. Also, when I think back to... So, I mean, this goes beyond my interest in gaming. I just love playing around with sound. I love the editing process. Part of that solo recap thing I did was so I could mess around with the sound effects and and, and stuff like that. Um, I think back to being a kid. The thing I probably played with most as a kid was a tape to tape deck and just spending hours making compilations doing little skits using sound effects i used to go to the library and get those awesome uh, bbc sound effects compilations essentially use those to uh, create skits around the noises you used to get on there in fact even before we had a, a video recorder i remember holding a little cassette recorder up to the TV and recording some of my favorite shows so I could listen back to them. Yeah. Yeah. A bit obsessed perhaps, (laughs) but yeah, I think, I think that's what keeps me coming back to doing the podcast. Obviously I love talking about RPGs in the absence of being able to play them. I've been quite lucky in that I've been able to, uh, on average, I, I, I get a game a week in, which is good good for me. But, yeah, in the absence of being able to play, um, I love listening to other folks talk about RPGs. And, and to be honest, I, you know, I like listening to people talk about anything that they feel passionate about, and I just hope that comes through, you know, when I'm talking about stuff. Um, The odd thing is I don't really consider myself to be a particularly good speaker, um, talker, if you know what I mean. I, um, you know, I I stumble over my words quite a lot. I can't can't think of the word that I want to use. And um, I'm one of those people that um, quite often thinks of what I probably should have said after the fact, you know, maybe possibly the reason that i enjoy the editing process is because it can be used to hide a multitude of inadequacies <laughs> so again thank you very much for that question colin um yeah really really appreciate it What I have for you now is another unboxing, but not just any old unboxing. This, I'm hoping, is a very special unboxing. It's something I was hoping would arrive yesterday, as I saw a lot of pictures of people receiving it on Twitter, up and down the country. My parcel has just been delivered. I haven't opened it, I haven't really looked at it properly, Fingers crossed, it's what I'm hoping it will be. There is... Into the Odd, and what a lovely little book it is. Quite a strange colour scheme, I thought, that took a little getting used to, but I think it really really works, actually. A kind of orange and turquoise and purple with white lettering. i oh, it got a ribbon in it. I wasn't expecting that. Oh, it smells so good. If I had any criticisms about Electric Bastion Land, it was just the size of the book. But this... This is perfect. A5. Stitch bound, as I say, with a little purple ribbon. Nice. A rules-light, flavour-heavy role-playing game of industrial horror and cosmic strangeness. Bastion is the only city that matters. In its industrial age, it sits as the smoke-shrouded hub of mankind surrounded by a world of lurking horrors and cosmic interference. The underground spreads beneath our feet and the stars loom above. Introduction, an odd world. The world is too large for explorers to map and too old for academics to record. Expeditions return with tales of places bizarre, wondrous and horrific. You are an explorer, braving the unknown in search of riches, knowledge, and power. Most of all, you seek arcana, strange devices holding unnatural powers. They range from a humble piece of jewellery to vast sculptures. There are many religious and scientific theories around their existence, but most settle somewhere in between. Citizens flock to Bastion. Its vast industries provide dangerous but dependable work, and its docks send guns, chemicals and newspapers to distant neighbours. Beneath the city, the underground stretches just as far. Sewers twist and turn, hiding ancient caverns and forgotten vaults. Fallen cities are adorned with statues of star beings. Cultists manifest their fervour into reality belligerent unions prepare for cosmic invasion. Familiar landscapes are overrun by strange weeds. Coercive mists creep in from the sea and jet black mountains watch from the horizon. The odd world has been affected by beings stranger than you can imagine. And I think that's it right there. That's everything I love about this setting. That sums it up perfectly. This book, I think um, Chris, Chris McDowell, he wanted to make a book that looks like an artifact of the world, you know. Um, And this is just really nicely, cleanly laid out. Lots of great art really evocative kind of collages. It's designed by um, Johan Noor, who's responsible for designing Morkball. Uh, But this, um, the art sits opposite the text. And, um, yeah, really interesting collages, lots of public domain stuff that's been tinkered with and rearranged, sort of elaborate doodling over the top to create some very very bizarre images very evocative stuff so we've got the first section yeah there's the rules then there's a an example of play and um setting material best practices gm tips that kind of stuff and then yeah the iron coral which was in the original version of Into the Odd, but this is greatly expanded. I think there's a few extra dungeons in here, extra locations, extra hex maps, just lots, lots of stuff going on there. And then at the back we've got the Addendum, which is essentially a collection of random tables for creating all kinds of wondrous stuff. And, uh, Oh, it's just nice to finally have it in my hands very nicely put together well that's about enough for me I think thank you very much for listening Thank you so much for your calls. If you want to leave me a message, please contact me via the anchor link in the description. You can always email me or leave me an audio message at spencer.freeforall at gmail.com. There's a Facebook page for Keep Off The Borderlands. You can find me on Twitter and MeWe on the Audio Dungeon Discord and various other places on Discord as free Thrall. I'd also like to thank TJ Drennan for the wonderful music he provides. And it just remains for me to say, take it away, TJ.